Now, when most people see roadkill on the side of the road, they don't stop to look, they don't stop to pick it up, and they most definitely don't take it home with them. But Tracy Barrow, she isn't like most people. I was walking home one day and I found a dead bird on the side of the road. All I wanted was like a bitchin' bird skull necklace, just something that I could show off. And that's when it all started. I was hooked. I started picking up dead animals on the side of the road and putting them in our freezer or keeping parts of them on my back porch. When I saw a piece of roadkill on the side of the street, I would just think to myself, ooh, what could I do with that? I was really only looking at roadkill as art supplies, basically. My boyfriend, Nate, he just didn't like it at all. It it got to the point where he kind of asked me, when are you going to stop this? And I basically told him never. The first squirrel that I ever did, uh, I named him Mr. January because I found him in the gutter on New Year's Eve. The second squirrel I ever did, Valentina, is my favorite. I found her close to Valentine's Day. You know, I've got a squirrel that has wings. Kind of the fan favorite is actually the Boy Scout raccoon. By this time, I had been getting wrist deep in roadkill for years. I could probably stuff a squirrel in my sleep. Until one day, my mom texted me, Hey, I found a new squirrel. It's tied up in a dog do bag in the freezer. So after work, I, I rushed home. And I was really glad that I did because the bag, it was actually just sitting there open, which doesn't bother me, but Nate would have flipped. So I put it on my, in my workstation out on the back porch. The way I always start with a mount I get a good hard look at the animal. I kind of wait for them to speak to me in lack of a better word and see what is unique about them. It was gorgeous as far as roadkill goes. It didn't have any broken bones. It didn't have blood. It didn't have fleas and maggots and flies and ants in it. It was really in good shape. It had really nice brown fur, and the whole thing was kind of golden brown, but the tip of its tail was white. Normally, a specimen this perfect is a home run, but there was something about this particular squirrel that looking at it just made my skin crawl. And I couldn't exactly explain why I felt uncomfortable, I just, it was almost like I had this no, 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 kind of drowning it out. It felt more like being screamed at, honestly. It was frozen solid, but it almost looked like it could hop up and run up the tree. As I was looking at the squirrel, I was just struck with these horrible, intrusive thoughts. You're disgusting. What are you doing? What are you thinking? Stop this right now. How dare you? 
so I had been struggling with these thoughts and I picked up the squirrel and I picked up the exacto knife and I always start the incision right between the shoulder blades uh, you know below at the base of its neck and then you know you go from the shoulder blades down to the tailbone as soon as I pressed the tip of the exacto into the skin I felt it go in that tiny bit the fur twitched uh, it was just a fraction of a second, but I I definitely saw it. it was that quick little flick, that little shiver, and it startled me. So I, I dropped the squirrel and the knife, and I expected it to jump up and run away. I poked it and convinced myself that it was a dead squirrel. Like, I mean, obviously it was a dead squirrel. So I steeled myself, picked the squirrel back up, got the exacto blade, and like ripping off a band-aid, I just I stuck the knife in and dragged it down the spine line. I worked my hands and the blade, got it to the point where I can get my hands around its stomach in between the skin and the body. And then I started working its little arms by just popping them backwards through the skin and got it skinned out. So it was almost like it was wearing a onesie of its own skin. And the final part was uh, cutting the lip. I suddenly had a really sharp pain underneath the knuckle of the pinky on my right hand. I drop the squirrel, I drop the blade, and I look at my hand. The glove had actually been torn open, and underneath it, there were four short scratch marks on my skin, all really close together. So I took off the damaged glove, and as I was doing that, I noticed a little tiny bit of movement in my peripheral vision. So I looked back up at the squirrel and it was lying on the table and I saw the four fingers on its paw slowly curl up into a little fist, hold for a second, and then really slowly relax. Yeah, that me up. I just, I panicked. Having these feelings, seeing the fur move, I can explain that, whatever, that's just my own brain being a, having a squirrel paw wound on my hand was much harder to explain away. Maybe I put too much pressure on the brain and that sent a signal through the dead muscles to make the paw flick and it caught my glove just right. That has to be it because the only other explanation is that I just skinned this squirrel alive. It did occur to me several times to just stop. It felt like I was going to be cursed from that point on to never have another 
good experience with taxidermy, which would be devastating. Like, what if I'm done? What if it's going to be like this with every animal from now on? I got as far as picking everything up to throw it out. But if I had given up, it would have been a huge step backwards. I popped on a new glove, clipped the wrists and the uh, ankles out off the carcass. I buried it in a plastic tub under about 10 pounds of salt so that it could dehydrate and put it on the shelf underneath my, uh, underneath my bedroom window and went to bed. I could barely sleep that night because the scratch just was throbbing and every time it throbbed, I thought about the squirrel. The next morning I woke up and all I had to do was change the salt. It can't possibly get as weird as it was yesterday. I took the big bag of salt outside. When I opened the tub that had the skin inside, the skin was sitting up halfway out of the salt as if it had burrowed up for air like a zombie getting up from its grave. It was just sitting there, just staring at me with these empty eyelids. (laughs) Those little paws kind of sticking up, reaching out. There's no way this dead, hollow squirrel had pushed its way up through 10 pounds of salt. There was also no way that anybody had touched it because they all think it's disgusting. I just dumped out the salt, (laughs) buried it again, put it on the shelf, and walked away from it for... I expected it to be a, a very long time. One morning while I was finishing my coffee, I heard a squirrel start barking. And I, for a second, I froze because I'm thinking, oh my God, it's it's back, it wants revenge. But it was just another squirrel outside. I just felt sad thinking that, you know, well, dang, this squirrel that... I was so afraid of. It also used to nibble and caper and skitter and bark and um, bury nuts. And it just kind of, it just kind of all hit me that this was a living thing and it had, I don't know, dignity. I went back to the salt tub and, uh, you know, the, Pelt was actually still in there. It it hadn't uh, tried to escape again. But I just opened it up. I felt like I owed it an apology, and I started talking to it. So I said, look, I'm sorry I didn't listen because I think that you were telling me to stop before I even started. The only thing that I want to do is preserve you and make you last forever So the next morning, I woke up 
And I walked out onto the porch. I looked up in the big oak tree that's right over the fence. I saw um, a brown squirrel, about medium size, really bushy tail with a white tip. A pelt that was identical to the one I'm, you know, currently mummifying under 10 pounds of salt in a tub a few feet away from me. How common is it, is it to have, like, identical pelts? Is that, like, a common thing? They're like snowflakes, you know? I just wanted to see what would happen. So I took an almond between my thumb and finger, and I just held it out and... Sure enough, the squirrel jumped from the tree onto the railing of my balcony and hopped along the railing until it got to my hand. I mean, my hand was shaking like crazy. This squirrel sniffed me so close that I I felt its nose on my fingertip. And then it grabbed the almond in its teeth, turned around, hopped over to the other end of the fence, jumped to the tree, climbed up back to that branch, and looked at me again. And we just made eye contact for another couple seconds. And it just dashed back up into the tree. It just, it was like it disappeared before it even reached the top of the branches. So I was just completely re-energized and I was finally, I finally knew what I was going to do with the squirrel pelt. So show me. So Well, here, I've got to take the pins out of its face. It's all dry now. It's been dry for ages. Yeah, so he's going to be holding his own little skull. How are you feeling about doing that? Are you a little bit more apprehensive now? I, yeah, to be fair... (laughs) I am I am still kind of expecting it to move <laughs> one of these days. Don't call me snappers. No cards or letters. That squirrel was frozen solid. Kaput before the knives even came out. Solid, you hear me? Tracy, Margaret Barrel, she's still doing taxidermy. And none of her other subjects have ever tried to get their revenge yet. Check out our work. We're going to have a link on our website, spookpodcast.org. The original score for that story was by Leon. Give me a beat, Morimoto. It was produced by Jasmine Aguilera.